ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier, and along with Kate Spencer, I host Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. Join us every Wednesday with guests like author Phoebe Robinson, chef Samin Nosrat, actress Busy Phillips, and even former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. On Mondays and Fridays, we have mini episodes where we answer listeners' questions on everyday problems like how useful a butt mask really is, how to deal with a petty friend, or how to relax after a long day. So join us Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Forever 35, where we're not experts, but we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Okay, now we're trying to get this underway. This is, uh, this is another one of our Books of the Year podcasts with the one and only Robert Webb. Uh, who's now going to be tackling our Q&A. And uh, if you're ready to go, Robert, here comes challenging question number one. Okay. The last book you really, really enjoyed, with special emphasis, please, for the second, really, because this is, I don't want any old rubbish. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm so intimidated by that second, really. I mean, I uh, I read um, uh, not long ago um, David Nichols' Sweet Sorrow. I mean, I enjoyed that. In fact, I go so far as to say that I really enjoyed that, but <laughs> really, <laughs> really enjoy. I'm not sure if I've had sex that was that good. I mean, I'm not sure if I've really, really enjoyed anything. Um, but I'll say, I'll say, David Nichols' Sweet Sorrow, which was a lovely uh, book about uh, young love uh, in the summer, and I read it uh, in that very, very sunny bit of May that made us feel that lockdown wasn't going to be so bad, and then the sun went in and everyone went mental. <laughs> Nightmare. I've just, so I've, just before I get to my uh, first of these questions, I've just remembered that actually the three of us were in a studio um, probably about, I'm going to guess it was 10 years ago. It was when uh, me and Simon were still on Five Live. Mm-hmm. And Robert, you came in to, I've got in my head that you were in to promote um, something about poetry. So maybe you'd written a poetry oh, yeah, yeah, book yeah, no, I made a documentary like about um, Proofrock, about T.S. Eliot. Oh, yeah. Okay, right. So, and I've always, I'll te- well, it'll become clear why I've always remembered you coming in as I tell the oh. story. But basically, uh, I've, I mean, I, you know, loads of people love poetry and that's great. I haven't really engaged with poetry. As, as, as strongly as everyone else. So anyway, cut to all three of us are in this studio, obviously for, as part of Simon's show, and I'm there doing the sport. And Simon says to me on air in front of you, um, uh, because you had revealed, Robert, that you'd used poetry to sort of court your wife, um, as in your me. future yeah. wife. Oh, she courted yeah. you. Well, yeah, so absolutely. there was poet, poetry involved. And Simon, knowing my relationship with poetry, said, "Matt, did you did you use poetry to to court your wife?" And I and it, and, and looking back at it, maybe I was a little dismissive when I said no, uh, which I did. I said no, and to which you, Robert, replied, "What did you use then? Vodka," um, which was I thought very funny, and and also has meant that every time my wife has, has taken vodka out of our cupboard, she always says, "Oh." No, Look, it's what you used to. I didn't use vodka. I should point out as well. See, two thousand and nine uh, was, was clearly my funny year. Uh, yeah. I could never, I could never be it's that funny line. again. I also, I did that documentary in two thousand nine. I also did the Let's Dance for Comic Relief flash dance thing in two thousand and nine. This, this was clearly my. This is when I peaked. And the it vodka is. joke. I mean, it's all coming together. It's, it's been downhill since then. 
Okay. Was well, that's super. That's good to hear. <laughs> good, good to know. Right, let's very get back rude. to the Q and A. So very cheeky. <laughs> no, it's very good. Um, the book you remember being read to you as a child. Um, oh, going way back, I remember a bit because you have to be pretty small not to be able to read the Mister Men on your own. But I remember my great auntie Trudy reading me Mister Men books, particularly Mister Uppity because there was a bit where he's walking in his big garden and a little goblin appears, and she suddenly did the voice of what she thought a goblin. She went, hello, I'm a goblin. <laughs> and, I was like, and this just made me squeal with delight. And I think I made a, made a, kept making, making her do it because it was so funny. But And then a bit later on, my mum, I remember reading me uh, a Jungle Book uh, and, uh, and The Adventures of Huck Finn, uh, I have very, very fond memories of, of that. And again, also in Huck Finn, my mum would put on a southern accent when she was doing uh, Aunt Polly. And I just remember being just delighted because this was not a family full of performers and actors. So if anybody like did a voice, it was kind of wow. remarkable. So yeah, no, I, uh, the, the, those bits stuck in the mind. Is that something you said? Do you do the voices when you're reading? I did, yeah. The girls are... Um, God, they've just had birthdays, and that's, that's why I sound like I don't know how old my children are. They're now nine, <laughs> nine and eleven, uh, so they don't want me to read to them anymore. But I certainly did loads of voices. Yeah, I did all the voices. I I can only do Matt knows this. I can do Camp Cornish and Cockney. That's it. So every story <laughs> has to fit. That's, into... <laughs> that's your main three. That's that's all you need, really. I got me through the, all of Harry Potter, I have Absolutely. to tell you. <laughs> yes. Famously, De Niro only needs those three, doesn't he? So yeah, Yes, that's right. That. Um, uh, next question. Whose books do you own the most of? Uh, which we don't mean, you know, you've stolen or, or borrowed, but, you know, you actually own authors that you like. Um, I think because it was... Uh, he's not very fat. Well, he is... Fat, just stop. Get to a main verb. I... Uh, Ian McEwan, probably. He's, I was about to say he's not very fashionable at the moment. Oh, the, people people moan about him. Anyway, I used to really like him, and I think it's probably because I did my uh, part two, did my uh, my dissertation, a long essay that I did at university on his books. Um, I had everything that he'd written at that point, and then I just carried on buying them. So I've got, in fact, he was my specialized specialist subject on um, celeb mastermind. Uh, How did you do? I came third, and the only person who did worse than me was Sir Clive Sinclair. And frankly, he'd had a couple of very, very large glasses of wine in the green room. And he also, and he also chose an absolutely massive subject. It was something like British inventions since 1918. <laughs> <laughs> he stood absolutely History, no chance. All of it, <laughs> slowly hiccuping his way through. Uh, that so yeah so he didn't do so well. but I I would have been last if it weren't for Sir Clive so thank you. How long um, Robert do you tend to give a book uh, or do you always finish it? This is our honesty question really because I cannot believe that anyone would finish a book they're not enjoying. But how long do you tend to give it? I'm much more uh, carefree than I used to be. I used to feel that I really really ought to finish. I don't anymore. In fact, I. There was, uh, I was reading, um, because I read uh, Jeff Dyer's, um, oh God, I can't remember what it's called, Out of Sheer Rage, which is his book about, it's not his book about D.H. Lawrence, it's his book about how he wants to write a book about D.H. Lawrence, which he Classic. sort of accidentally has a bit of stuff that's really good about D.H. Lawrence, sort of by the by. Anyway, it's a very funny book, but he he, rec- he made me buy, not made me, but I was inspired to buy uh Lawrence's uh, Sea and Sardinia one of his travel books which I really couldn't get on with at all and I think I asked Twitter should I I 
posted a picture of the cover because it's an absolutely beautiful uh, cover of that the edition that I had. Uh, and I said, should I carry on? I mean, not a single person said persevere. It just everybody said, screw it. Life's too short. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. I, I almost perversely, I, I wanted to finish it just be, just to be contrary. But uh, no, I, I, got, I, I got about 20 pages into that. And I thought, no, actually, I don't. I really don't need to finish Quite this. Quite right. Uh, the next question is, describe your bookshelves, which seems to be a little vague. I think what it means is, do you, do you organise them alphabetically or by colour? Uh, it's alphabetically, it's sort of, um, you stand it, it's very dull, really. Yeah, uh, most of the books are downstairs. Uh, there's a sort of wall of them in the front room. It's, you know, a Victorian terrace house, so there's two shelves, and then there's a fireplace, and then there's another two shelves. We've all seen it happen. Uh, and they're sort of um, uh, fiction A to Z, and then there's a sort of history bit and a sort of wow. Malcolm Gladwell bit, uh, you know, all those <laughs> books that you wow. think that you ought to buy, and then you go, oh. Uh, and, and, there's, uh, and there's sort of a, a few bits of plays and poetry. I mean, my wife's an English graduate as well, so there's there's a, all the stuff that we, you know, will never look at again about old English, but it's still there to make us look clever. Uh, Just out of interest, then, do you do you do you have Cloud Atlas or Bone Clocks? I don't. I don't David, have by any, David Mitchell. Have, just so that you can hold any. a book. I don't have any David Mitchell, actually. I really ought to buy more David Mitchell. David Mitchell has actually met David Mitchell, and David said that David Mitchell was very polite, and they had a good old laugh about both being called David Mitchell. Uh, but that's as far as it's gone. <laughs> Do you remember the first book you bought with your own money? If by your own money we're allowed to include pocket money, which I suppose yes, is your own money because yeah, people yeah. don't just lend it to you. Um, no. They can't say, I want that back. <laughs> um, then uh, that's probably Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Whoa. Uh, which I yeah. saw on TV. I, I missed the radio show altogether, but it was on TV. The, I saw the TV adaptation and I thought, ooh, and I just saw it in WH Smith's one time and got that and then I got the next one and then I borrowed started borrowing from the library uh when when others came out. And I would buy um the novelizations of Doctor Who stories. I mean there weren't that many books knocking around in the house that I grew up in. I, I was quite often inspired by T V really or for the novelizations of Star Wars, you know, because you know, if you like if you like that film then you want to, you know, be a fan and you want to read read the weirdly you want the written down version as well so mm. so there was quite a lot of that going on yeah so the Do doctor who books and, and hitchhikers uh hitchhikers just so funny just absolute revelation i didn't realize it was that funny is there a book you've used to impress someone or do you just use vodka i think <laughs> vodka. i don't i no, i never used vodka because vodka had a more powerful effect on me than it did on other people so it was no good. Um, I think I probably could be found in the corner of the sixth form common room reading Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment in a way that I really good. didn't have to. I didn't have to be reading that <laughs> book at that moment, waiting <laughs> yeah. for people, waiting for girls to come up and go, what's Hello, that? Hello, look at me. <laughs> Robert, you're so, so sophisticated. Like, oh, it's just, uh, yeah, it's my oh, this old thing. Yeah, it's by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Uh, it's about Raskolnikov and various other Russian names that I'm just going <clears> to <throat> say quite quickly. Uh, uh, I did actually enjoy Crime and Punishment. Um, uh, but anyway, I really didn't have to be ostentatiously reading it during lunch hour in the common room. Uh, is there a book that you'd like to step inside of? 
Um, I think any story that any story any worthwhile story is going to be bound to be full of kind of kind of quite stressful events and quite yeah. you know surprises and probably just where I am in my life at the moment. I, I don't, I'm trying to. I don't really want any alarms or any surprises. So, but I mean, if I had to, then maybe I could be in Pride and Prejudice and I could be Bingley, you know, because he's quite Mr. Bingley's quite rich and. He married. He has quite nothing bad happens to him during the story, and then he he marries a nice, calm, sensible girl called Jane. That all sounds fine. So I I'd like to do that. Is there an ending that you'd like to change? Where you got to the end of the book and go, oh well, it was fine, but that ending is rubbish. Uh, no, I wouldn't be so presumptuous. Unless going back to Pride and Prejudice, uh, I tag on a protracted and explicit sex scene between Lizzie and Bingley. So that you can carry on enjoying Bingley. With with Bingley just watching. Bingley in the corner. (laughs) For moral support. Which means, yes, so a book you'd like to write the sequel to, please let this be something about Bingley. But anyway, uh, is there a book you'd like to write the sequence to? Uh... Not really. Um, there was a, no. there was a, and no, not really. No, I mean, just can I? Yeah, do I, can I play my Joker? No. <laughs> Who's your favourite writer that you've actually met? I had the great honour of meeting Clive James when uh, we mentioned, if it hasn't been cut out yet, uh, the poetry documentary that I did uh, in two thousand and nine when I used to be funny, and uh, that involved interviewing Clive James, and we went wow. round to his place he had a place in london in east london Docklandsy type area and um and we were there and he was talking to the producer and i was kind of standing next to the producer and then clive said uh, and so when the guy arrives and i kind of put my hand up and went um hello i'm the guy that's me i'm the guy uh anyway i got to talk to him and he was just he was just brilliant um and he uh, he just he just spoke in aphorisms and he sort of asked the producer how long how long are you looking for in this and 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 Ian Ian McMillan who's brilliant uh, producer director he said he did the usual professional thing of saying oh just talk as much or as little as you want Clive and Clive Jones who's been around the block a million times just went yeah but seriously what do you want four minutes what are you trying to get five minutes and he went um we're looking for about four minutes yeah he went thank you and so he just gave answers that would that would just beautifully fit into a four minute segment and it was just uh I think my first question was, um, what is it that poetry can do that, that plays and novels can't do? And he says, it's what it's the same thing as what the nucleus of an atom can do that the rest of the atom can't do. It's the stuff itself. And he said, wow. you know, I just remember this uh, gesture of his thumb and index finger sort of rubbing together. It's the stuff itself. It's the DNA. And um, he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Is there an author you like to quote? That, no, I mean, in the uh, when I did um, "How Not to Be a Boy," every chapter starts with uh, with uh, a quotation, and um, there was one. There was something by Homer Simpson uh, that I thought was perfect for the chapter, and then it turned out that uh, Fox wanted ten thousand uh, dollars for the really? privilege of wow. uh, writing that, and I, which would have annoyed me less if I thought for a second that was going to go anywhere near a writer it was clearly not going to go anywhere near any of the writers uh, so I, I i found something in middlemarch instead i thought screw you um so uh, for that reason george eliot i loved quoting george eliot all the time and our final question is there a book robert which always cheers you up 
I'm not on the rare occasions where I know where I'm aware that I need cheering up. I think most of the time I, I'm in a bad mood. I don't know that I'm in a bad mood. But when I notice, uh, I don't think I've ever used books like that. But if I, it's a good idea. I'm not being snooty about it. I think it's a good idea. But in future, perhaps uh, I'll think of opening a, a Jeeves and Worcester or any other Woodhouse because I, 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 I'm going to start feeling convivial and I'm going to start smiling within the first page or so. So it would be that if I did that. Excellent. Uh, Robert, thank you very much indeed. Robert Webb's uh, latest book is Come Again. And if you'd like to hear him talk specifically uh, about that novel, then you can find it on a, a, our companion podcast. Robert, thank you very much indeed for your time. We look forward to your next novel. Hooray. Thanks very much. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Christopher Kimball, host of Milk Street Radio. If you'd like to change the way you cook and also think about food, please check out the Milk Street podcast. We travel around the world to find pizza in Tokyo, Egyptian food in Berlin, and Bhutanese farmers in Vermont. We speak to Jamie Oliver, Rachel Ray, Al Roker, Ina Garten, as well as Michael Twitty, Marcus Samuelson, and Alice Waters. And we'll introduce you to recipes that will change the way you cook, from bright pink Tottenham cake to Afghan dumplings to shoyu sugar steak, and that one is direct from Hawaii. It's a whole new world of food right here on Milk Street Radio. Please check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts, or go to 177milkstreet.com. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Acast.com.